Father, we thank you for your word, your word that is true, your word that is steadfast, your word that is a plumb line to our lives. Lord, we ask that you would speak to us through it this morning, that you'd speak to us through the words you've given me, and Lord, despite anything that is said, Lord, would you be present among us, guiding us by your spirit, Lord, into all truth, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So it is St Barnabas Day, though if you properly follow the way of the church, because it's a Sunday, it's been deferred to tomorrow. Um, but I've never been one who's been good at following rules, so I brought it back again so that I could speak on it today. So we start off in Acts 11, uh, and it's a really strange place to start, isn't it, in, in, uh, in our reading today. It begins with, News of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. Immediately, there's two questions. One, what was the news? And two, why Barnabas? Well, we have the answers to those, but you've got to go back a couple of verses. So I'm picking it up at verse 19. It says this. Now, those who were scattered because of the persecution that took place over Stephen travelled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus and Antioch, and they spoke the word to no one except Jews. But among them were some men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who, on coming to Antioch, spoke to the Hellenists, also proclaiming the Lord Jesus. The hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number became believers and turned to the Lord. So, the answer to the first question, what was the news? That's what the news was. Stuff was happening. Uh, the word was being preached uh, primarily to the Jews, but that wasn't what really caught their attention. It was the fact that there was these other men from Cyprus and Cyrene also bringing the message to the Hellenists, to, the, to the, those who weren't Jews. And this obviously caught their attention. So that answers the first question. The second question is why Barnabas? Actually, that's a really important question, because these men that had caught their attention were from Cyprus and Cyrene. Barnabas was a Cypriot Jew. He was from Cyprus. And so what better person to send than someone who was of the same place, of the same background, uh, understood perhaps some of the oddities, some of the cultures, some of the contexts that they were in. So send him. It'd be a bit like uh, if, um, if you heard something was uh, kicking off in Hessel and you thought, oh, okay, who shall we send? Well, you'd send somebody who's in Hessel, wouldn't you? you know, <laughs> not you, Steph, is that right? Not, not you, maybe, maybe Conrad or something. You, you'd send someone appropriate to the context, wouldn't you? So that's why they sent him. But we first discover Barnabas a few chapters earlier in Acts 4. And there's something interesting about Barnabas, and it's not the fact that Barnabas wasn't his name, actually. It was his last name. His first name was Joseph. So, but they called him. The apostles decided to call him Barnabas uh, because he was undoubtedly someone who was an encourager. And we see this as we, uh, as we read through. Um, Barnabas, when he goes and see what's going on, it says... Uh, this is in verse 23. He came and saw the grace of God. 
He rejoiced and exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast devotion. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And a great many people were brought to the Lord. So he went and he saw what was going on and he encouraged them. That was clearly a trait that he had. And so they decided to call him Barnabas. Barnabas meaning son of encouragement. Jesus was known, wasn't he, as Jesus bar Joseph. Bar meaning the son of. <laughs> but what's really interesting is that Barnabas actually has an Aramaic origin. And that origin tells us, the, the understanding, the interpretation of the name from the Aramaic is son of prophecy. Now, when I saw that, it kind of pricked my ears up. He's known as the son of encouragement, but also the son of prophecy. And so, when these things come up, you know, nothing is by accident in Scripture. It's like, so what is the relationship between encouragement and prophecy? Well, let's find out, shall we? 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 1 to 5. Chapter 14 is Paul. He's very much speaking to the Corinthian church about the gift of tongues, about prophecy, and uh, what he has been seeing and is just directing their path. They're all speaking in tongues, but he's, he was wanting to encourage them into prophecy. So this is verses 1 to 5. Pursue love. And strive for the spiritual gifts, and especially that you may prophesy. For those who speak in a tongue do not speak to other people, but to God. For nobody understands them, since they are speaking mysteries in the Spirit. On the other hand, and listen to this, on the other hand, those who prophesy speak to other people for their building up and encouragement and consolation. Those who speak in a tongue build up themselves, but those who prophesy build up the church. Now, I would like all of you to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. One who prophesies is greater than one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets, so that the church may be built up. The purpose of prophecy from this text says it is to encourage to build up, to strengthen, to equip, to console. And so when we think of what it means to be a Barnabas, you know, to be under the banner of this church, if you like, to, you know, we, we immediately think of, yes, well, let's be an encouragement to one another. Let's be an encouragement to the community. But how do we want to do that? Yes, we can be nice. We can bring a positive word of encouragement, but actually what has been required, what's been requested, if you like, of, of us, of those who want to carry the banner of Barnabas, if you like, is that there's got to be something more to it. There's that deeper edge, there's that flavour of God in it, there's that prophetic word that's carried in it. And one way we can do this is, is testimony. Now, we all know testimony. Testimony is, is the sharing of a story of how God has interacted with your life in some way. The thing I love about testimonies, and what I do personally, 
in whatever, whether I'm doing a Bible study or having a prayer group or doing some teaching, no matter what, I try and start with a time of testimony. Why? Why would I do that? Because testimony encourages. And testimony builds up faith. Now, you might think, that, oh, well, I haven't got any stories to share right now. But hearing stories from other people is so encouraging. And I tell people as well, I said, plagiarise. You know, tell somebody else's story that you've heard. Maybe a friend or maybe you've, you've seen it on Facebook or wherever you, you go. Or you've heard it on the new, you know, from some mission place or something like that. Tell the stories. There's plenty of bad news, as we know. And there's not enough good news being shared. Testimony is that. It is an encouragement, but it's, it has that prophetic edge to it that says, here's a story of God that happened to somebody else. It could happen for you too. We bring life to the things that we speak. So we want to encourage people. So, and, and I want to do this right now. Don't worry, I don't mean we're going to get share stories. That's um, actually that is a very difficult, challenging thing to do when you start doing it because people are like, oh, I don't know what has God done in my life. I don't know. I don't know. Has He done anything? And uh, when you first start, it's usually very quiet. Um, but as as you learn to do this, and I want to encourage you to do this in all your groups and everything that you do, is start with some testimony. Get past the discomfort of it. Because it teaches us to see God at work in our lives. We can so easily go by week from week from week of, of not thinking about God, really, unless we're going to a home group or we're coming to church. But what is God doing in your life, in your everyday? Whether it be at home or at work. Did he speak to you in a dream? There's so many ways in which God is interacting that we don't see. But he also wants us to engage with him more in our lives. So I want to encourage you to do that. But how do we be an encouragement? And this is the challenge to us because it challenges the very, the very fabric of who we are. So as individuals and as a church... We've got to examine how we conduct ourselves. We've got to think about how am I expressing, how am I living my life? Is my life an encouragement to everybody else? Am I purposefully wanting to, trying to be an encouragement to my fellow members of the church or to my neighbours or wherever that I am? And that means things like not considering myself more highly than I ought. Now, there's a great scripture that we need to keep coming back to. You know, we, we, we see these um, so-called goodwill things. You know, if you watch YouTube or on Facebook and people have themselves videoed doing good deeds, they've had their reward. <laughs> it's, it's not about that, but it's about genuinely before God. Not considering ourselves more highly than we are, but lifting up other people. So think about the way in which we talk 
to or about other people? Could the way in which we talk be misconstrued as, as gossip or as uh, you know, spreading rumours and, and so on? Is your life being an example of Christ? Not just when you're here on a Sunday, but in every circumstance. You know, Paul said, didn't he? He said, he said uh, follow my example as I follow Christ's example. Is your life an example to follow that imitates that of Christ? Now, you're probably thinking, hang on a minute, you've moved away from encouragement here. So, no, I haven't actually. Because the encouragement of the word, which is we're going to get to the John passage, is to love one another as I have loved you. In other words, imitate my love. That's what Jesus is saying. Imitate my love for one another as I have loved you. So what else? No hidden agendas. That's a tricky one because only you know your hidden agendas. Actually, that's probably not true. People can generally see them, it's just that you don't realise they can. <laughs> and see the best in each other. You know, we're, we're so good, particularly in the, in the, in the British culture, you know, we're, we're good at pulling ourselves down. Uh, we're particularly good at pulling other people down. Let's, let's be fair. Um, but let's turn it around. How can we build up one another? This is your challenge. This is the challenge. Think for a moment of the person that you don't really get on with, that may well be sitting in this room right now. A person that you're really challenged by. It may be the, the way in which they behave, maybe the way in which they speak, it may be the way in which they dress, it could be anything, but you just, you know when you, you've rubbed the wrong way with each other, or you just kind of think, oh, I'll just keep my distance. How can you build up that person? And I encourage you, I challenge you, take a moment to think, what can I, what, what can I, what can I think positively about that person? Lord, help me, show me even what you see about that person in that person. And this is where the prophetic comes in, because sometimes we can see things in people that they themselves cannot see. And we might say a word of encouragement to that person and they'll be like, you see that? How do you see that in me? I'm just, I feel horrid. You know, we don't know how people are feeling about themselves. You know how about you feel about yourself. And most of the time, most people feel pretty rubbish about themselves. So we need to pick each other up. And then there's how do we take that into the community? It's one thing to be that here amongst yourselves, but how then do you reflect that? How do you be a Barnabas in your community? And that really comes down to how do we display the goodness of God? And we do that through how we act. It's through how they see you interacting with each other you know, when they see you coming out of church, do they see you all, all joyful? 
not because the service is finished, but because you've met with God? Do they, do they hear from other places, third hand or whatever? Oh, well, there's some real battles going on between these two people. You know, and sadly, one thing that is said about the church is if, if you want to know the gossip, go to church. And that's really quite an indictment against the church. That's something we need to crush. So how we speak and how we act with one another, but also how we act in the opposite spirit to the world. The world that just wants to tell you what's wrong. They want to tell you the problems. They want to hype up the, the, the bad stuff and kind of crush down the good stuff. Well, this is your chance to be good news, to speak encouragement, to tell people, don't worry, God is with us, God is here, and demonstrate that with them. So how does that reflect looking into your current season that you're in, the coming season? You're in this place where you know, you're looking for a new vicar, having to re-advertise. We're going to jump into John 15 here, and then I will uh, finish with this. This is a real challenge, this scripture to us. Verse 12, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Let's go to the next verse because that qualifies what that means. No one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Jesus' love for us was so great that he would lay his life down for us, that he did lay his life down for us. And then he's saying to you and to me, love one another as I have loved you. So a few minutes ago, I said, think of that person that you really struggle with. Now, will you do what Jesus says? And will you love them to the point that you lay your life down for them? Because we, we read in, you know, Paul picks it up in, in Romans, Romans 5, about this. You know, it's rare would anyone lay down their lives for a friend. But such luck that he would lay his life down for us even while we were still sinners. So even while we were in our worst place, he laid his life down for us. So even while we might not, some of us, be in the best relationships with each other, would you yet still lay down your life out of love for them? That's a huge challenge. It's a huge challenge. And we go on, verse 14. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants any longer because the servant does not know what the master is doing. But I have called you friends. Because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from my father. We have in this book the only record the only true record of all that Jesus said. And 
Yes, anybody can read that, so anybody can know what Jesus said, but only the true knowing of what it's saying comes through the revelation of the Spirit. So only when you carry the Spirit of God, when you're a disciple, a follower, a believer of Jesus, can you know really what Jesus has said, what he means by what he says. And in that context, he calls you friends, not as servants. But it goes on, and this is, this is key. You did not choose me, but I chose you. He chose you. And if, if you're sitting here and you don't yet know Jesus, you're in that place of potential. You're in that place of possibility. Are you going to be one of the chosen? And that's actually up to you in a strange way. I'm not going to get into the kind of predestination and uh, election and all of that. But he has chosen you. If you're here today, his desire is, is for you to know that you are chosen. And it goes on. You're not just chosen, you're also appointed. It says, and I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. You have been appointed to bear fruit. Not just to be a pretty tree, but to bear fruit. Not just any old fruit that will be on the tree one day and it'll drop to the ground and rot the next day. Fruit that will last. Fruit that means something. Fruit that is, is a, a, an encouragement. Fruit that has that prophetic word to it, that word of life that speaks into somebody and changes them forever. Have you ever had somebody say something to you and it's changed you because even though years later, you still remember it? That's fruit that will last. But fruit, so much more than that. But why? And this is in the last part of the, the verse. So that the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. That's a stumbling block for some of us. Sounds arrogant to dare to believe that we can have whatever we ask in his name. But it has the condition of everything that's come before that. So in this present, in this coming season that you're in right now, if you want what you are requesting from God, in the name of Jesus, will you love one another? Will you lay your life down for each other? And that means preferring one another, bearing with one another, upholding them above yourself, upholding their needs above your own. And not just here, but out there too. Will you do that? Will you demonstrate Christ as he requests of us? Because what you want in the next season is not found in your next vicar. It's found in you. A vicar can do only what it can do or she with those that they've been given to work with. So it's up to you.